0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of SG Explained. I'm uh, I'm one of your hosts, Elliot, and today with me is the whole team. We have Rovik. Hello. And Mr. Willy. Hi guys. We I'm are back. back
1: from hiatus. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh how was I was hiatus? serving the nation. Oh, well, it was great. Yeah, I got to see a lot of things.
0: Right. weren't
2: you out in
1: like Japan
2: or something or, or when did you like trekking the Antarctics? What were you doing? What? Must have been a pretty big thing for you to have not been on this podcast. For about a month. I see.
1: Yeah, I, I was serving the nation, helping out in the National Day Parade for 2019. Right. So... Uh, Singapore. Yeah, exactly. And of course, it was a resulting success. I've I seen it myself. I'm really proud of the work. Right. You saw yeah. people
2: coming together across
1: differences,
2: across races.
0: Did you see them do the Kalang Wave or not? <laughs> oh, of course. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I
1: have to see like every single Saturday. Did, you see, a, did you see our Kalang Wave? The fact that the smallest Kalang wave ever, the two men Kalang wave, it was damn <laughs> good. Really oh it was damn good. I sort of like had it in my mind. I was like imagining. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, today, guys, we have a monster of a topic that yes. we're gonna talk no. about today. It's gonna be really fun, um, and serious. I mean, fun <laughs> and serious. It can be both. It can be both. Um, and today's topic is none other than racism.
2: Yeah, and not just racism. racism. We're not gonna be. Trying to accuse anyone of racism. Oh no, of I course I not. I think with this, uh, the whole goal uh, when when we were thinking about this was how do we talk about racism yeah. mm. in Singapore? Yeah. And and you know for those who were listening to last week's episode, uh, we did share it. But we've actually wanted to do this episode at this time for a long time. Yes, we have. Uh, but but you know if you've also been watching the news, you realize that there was a very interesting saga that just unfolded. With you know the ePay saga as they call it in the in the media sphere, uh, where you know, Elliot, do you want to give a a short description of what that saga was?
0: Alright, so a couple of about a month ago, there was a ad done by ePayment SG, Mm -hmm. and it featured a media corp artist, radio DJ Dennis Chu. and in it he plays characters. I mean, he is a character comic by by training. Uh, and he plays characters from four different races. He plays Chinese, Malay, Indian, and others. Like some Eurasian looking dude, right? It was ambiguous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so he um brown faced himself. So yeah. They they made him look darker and Well not just
2: brown faced, he like wore a Tudong. Yeah,
0: he wore a Tudong and one and also like the um, Indian character was stereotypically very Indian. Yeah. Yeah. And that caused a, a bit of a, a hoo ha amongst netizens, in particular, one pretty please and her brother, and they decided to make a rap video, which accused the, uh, well, implicitly called all Chinese people racist, even right. though you know they their stance is that they didn't call people Chinese all Chinese people racist, yep. just the people who made the ad, right? And that sparked a lot of controversy because there was like police investigations, um, even um, Shermugam. Our minister, he came out and said, like, oh, you know, this is wrong. So the moment the government's involved, we're going to have, like, big hoo And supposedly it started some conversations. We went back and forth. We had some um, satirical styles of apologies coming from uh, Pretty Please. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think the whole thing about this that surprised me was that a lot of people were just starting to get warmed up to how to talk about these oh, yeah. things. Right, because it was a very tricky space. Like, actually, what was wrong about the ad, if, if anything was wrong at all, uh, and you know, what was wrong about the response? What was wrong with someone, you know, forming a, a, a satirical video yep. and and calling out right. something that they thought was wrong?
0: Yeah. So we are not going down that slope because it's it's a monster of a topic. Of yeah. course, it is. Yeah, it's a monster of a topic and. Uh, even amongst themselves, I think we have like some
2: yeah, really. Willie, I remember we had a three hour conversation. We had a three hour <laughs> hour, yeah, when we
0: prepared for this episode <laughs> on Saturday, it was a very long conversation even before I joined.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that it's was. true, it's it true. It is, yes. Nothing but true. It's
1: tr- true. Many car rides yes. moving. Yeah, I, I yeah. think we've been trying to get to this topic for the longest. I think, I think we tried to consider this topic in even in season one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was just really monstrous mm-hmm. a topic. But I think right now we really cannot alienate this topic anymore. We absolutely especially in this case of um, it blowing up with um, I think with uh, the minister for example, yeah. as well as uh, uh, we have people online making uh, uh, and of course this brownface ad as well. I yeah. think it's it's about right time that we actually talk about it okay, yeah yep. more extensively so yeah. so yeah. I think
2: it's important that if we do do this that we start with definitions yep uh, cool. and I think that's important because you know people go around calling everyone racist but what is actually racism i think that's useful to to identify uh, and from what i've read online there are actually uh, two levels of racism uh, and 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 quite broadly racism And these are broad strokes yes. of course mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. we all
0: we all know that uh, it's very there's a lot of different definitions out yep. there uh, and just for the sake of this discussion that we're about to have right. we're going to nar- narrow it down to two yes okay, exactly great,
2: great. so Uh, It all stems from prejudice, and prejudice starts with having an opinion or proclivity towards someone or something based on, uh, you know, held notions. And when that prejudice is based on race, then that is considered racism. So that could be any kind of antagonism uh, directed against someone or believe that someone is uh, inferior just based on their race. So that is, you know, one colloquial definition that a lot of us tend to use, and that really is at the individual level, right? But the other definition, and this is a more academic definition, right? So Mm -hmm. you'll see this used by sociologists. You'll see this being used when we want to think about institutional Right, in
0: the realm of like anthropological studies.
2: And so this is talking, so the first was individual level. This is talking about institutional and systems level. And this is saying racism is basically when this prejudice is... Institutionalizing hierarchies of societal power, where governments, corporations, and organizations are making choices that basically are, are, are trying to put people of other races down or oppress other people. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that is a much more sinister definition. They use that definition as a way to 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 basically contrast against, like, you know. Just regular discrimination, which is at the individual level. Right, and actually right. saying that racism is a is a, is a, system mm-hmm. Of, of, mm-hmm. Of, of issues. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, when a lot of people talk about racism, you know, then you, it comes into the realm of, like, reverse racism and, like, you know, what is actually modern racism versus, like, casual racism. And a lot of these things are are just derivations of these terms, but I think for our discussion, what we've agreed is we'll, we'll look at racism both in the individual level, about mm-hmm. about how we treat each other, uh, and then also at the societal level, we're thinking about power, thinking about structures, and actually how those have embedded certain practices okay. over
0: time. Great. So just to uh, focus everything down, we have a main thesis for tonight. Okay? Yep. Our main thesis is How do we, as people from Singapore, just talk to each other about racism? Like, what's going on? How do we Mm -hmm. start these conversations? We're not gonna solve any problems. I know that's for sure. It's it's three guys sitting at a table, which not necessarily the best academic uh, group of you know. Well, well, you
2: got one minority
0: person here, right? No, that's good. No, no, that's good. (laughs) That's Willie, the old (laughs) guy. Exactly. So the demographic here is pretty much (laughs) skewed right now. Okay, Uh, but (laughs) as a result, we're gonna just try to confine this to ways that we deal. With like right. racism on a day-to-day basis. Yeah,
2: and and the reason why this is an important episode for SG Explain, yeah, is because race is pretty much key to who we are as a country, yes right? We is. are a mm-hmm. multiracial country, um, you know. Multiracialism is in almost every part
1: of our policy. From you know in fact, multiracialism is is something celebrated in the country as well. Yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah, one of our core pillars. I'm coming up from National Day Parade, and yeah. you know what? One of the ex central a central performance is around these four different races as well in singapore mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and coming together and becoming a melting pot right. that defines singapore yeah yeah i mean
2: uh, when you think about it multiracialism is in our grc system group representative constituencies it's in our housing policies it's in our elected presidency so the fact that a race factor is almost everywhere then we can't talk about uh, we can't escape talking about racism or the issue of race in our daily lives. Sure. Uh, and, I mean, Willie, were you around? <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep making these jokes. But were you around when the race riots happened? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think
1: we need to make this an ageist uh, discussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we need to do an ageism episode. Yeah. No, because I, I think in
2: Singapore, if you talk about race long enough, it will always go back to, You know, the topic of the race riots. And this happened Mm. in 1964. Yes. uh, Where basically the Malay people were holding a procession to celebrate, you know, the birthday of Muhammad, the Muslim prophet. uh, And there was a big riot between the Malay and the Chinese because people were saying that people were saying things, you know, uh, to, to incite violence. And there had to be a huge crackdown. And so these racial riots caused a lot. Of of damage, a lot of 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 of, of uh, hurt, and that has been one of you know when we were in social studies class.
0: Yeah, they would always harp upon this like it was ingrained in you from a young age.
2: Right, and so that is the that is the fear that we go to a state where people get so angry, where people get so violent that something like that happens. Yep. They even mm-hmm. had to have a curfew. Yeah,
0: mm. we don't right. want to go back to those dark days. Yeah,
2: right, and so and so today, I I mean, honest to God, I don't think. Something like that is going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, even though we're trying to say, like, we, we can do better about talking about racism, I don't think we're at a place where, you know, there's so much pent-up violence. But it, there is a need to continue talking about these things in a way that's productive so that we never get there anyway.
0: Yeah. And we can, you know, I mean, there's always a... There are always ways to improve racial relations between us in Singapore. Yep. And even though one of the core tenets of uh, religious harmony is tolerance okay, we guys we kind of like talked about this the last time yep. what the core was is tolerance Tol- tolerance comes in many different forms and I suppose every time we have these conversations we talk ab- about you know, how can we better the relations between the races um, it can only strengthen rather than worsen and that's yep. what we want to do yep. right always find more nuanced ways of kind of like communicating with each other our different practices our different cultures our different beliefs
2: yep. I'll tell you what's my personal goal yeah in some ways that we move past tolerance and into a realm where we can actually accept that different people, while having different views and different backgrounds, actually are valid, right? I, I think tolerance to an extent is, is is saying, you know, I understand your view, and I understand you exist, uh, and it may not be mine, but at the same time, you know, I'm just going to give that space for us to coexist, whereas acceptance goes beyond and says, you know, your view, your reality is also valid, and, and I'm going to Engage you on that level, right? Uh, and I think to me, uh, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna share stories, and, and I think all of us have stories prepared. Yeah, for that's this uh, that's today's
0: episode is a more of an anecdotal sharing session. Yeah, 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 which is gonna be, I guess, uh, much much more easier to like talk about at our, at a level like yeah, it's sure. more, more uh, you know, from our own hearts. Yeah. yeah.
2: So so let's start. You know, what what stories do we have on the table that that we kind of want to bring up uh, as examples?
0: Mm,
1: mm, mm. so I suppose uh, (laughs) everyone's looking at me so I will begin right and I think um, being uh, a person who actually runs a company um, we definitely have racism at at the workplace as well Mm -hmm. and I think this is something that uh, a lot of people. It, it's an area. Work workplaces actually like areas where you get to interact and to do something with different races, different people mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from different levels of society as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a very good place to start. So maybe I'll, I'll just cite a friend's story. Okay. Right, oh yeah. of, uh, of uh of what what I think it's like racism, which is um, there was this group of uh there was this my, my friend right. He goes into he is actually Indian. He goes into a meeting uh, with, uh, I think, called to his office with his boss and asked him to go into the office. And he goes into this meeting and everybody was speaking Chinese, mm. right? And then he sits down and he tries to uh, be part of that conversation. But unfortunately, everyone continued to speak Chinese even though he's around. And, mm. he, of course, he doesn't understand Chinese. In fact, one of, one of, the, one of the other uh, colleagues actually turned around and asked him, hey, do you understand Mandarin? <laughs> that's so much wrong with that. That's <laughs> that's
0: yeah, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then he goes like, "No," uh, but but I think uh, I think what what was very distinct here was that he said that can everybody speak English, please? Right, right, right. And of course, in the end, what happened was that they continued to speak in Mandarin. Okay, and I think that's that's quite um. I think I think for some of my, some of our friends who are in who are, for example, um, not part of the majority Chinese race, they can actually empathize or can understand such a situation mm-hmm. that they actually have. Yeah. And I think uh, it would be great to actually um, try to understand from somebody else's point of points of view uh, that people actually... How do I put it this way? Um, because you're so used to speaking in, for example, uh, uh, Mandarin, right? And then you actually alienate other races. Yeah, yeah. And then you... This this becomes like systematic throughout society as well, mm, mm. and I think that that can be quite a problem for for people right. as well. Yeah. I mean, of, of the of different kinds of races, mm. Yeah. You
0: know. This this could se- I mean, to me, this seems a bit like a, a bit of like casual racism, you know, yeah. because I don't think there's re- a lot of ill intent when you, you know, sometimes I don't know, man. Like maybe I'm just guilty of it as well. Where I'll be speaking Mandarin to a bunch of my friends because it's easier. Like it just some things are communicated easier when I use Mandarin, as opposed right. to using English. Right. Uh, but then, you know, in, when you're engrossed in that conversation, you might forget or overlook the fact that someone else who doesn't understand your language is in the same room. Now, wh- where it comes a little bit more, what I would say, I'm a bit more line about is, if let's say the person raises it up and says, hey, sorry, I don't understand, like, clearly I don't understand Mandarin here, could yeah. we please use the, you know... Uh, the professional code of conduct is English in Singapore. Of that's course. That's how, that's like just baseline why we speak English in general yep. so we all could work together. Yeah. Yep. It's that point where you say like, hey, sorry, could you remind everyone, can we speak English? And people continue to do so. That is a bit of a workplace issue.
2: Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I can also totally imagine the complexity of actually raising that up as as a formal issue. Yeah. Right? So this in this setting, you know, your friend went up and, 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 and engaged the people directly and said, you know, can we can we try speaking English so that I can be a part of work because <laughs> I'm getting paid? <laughs> yeah, because I need to do my job, yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, but then if no one does anything, then it becomes even more difficult because, you know, what has to happen next, right? Does the person have to go to the boss and say, like, look, this is an actual issue. I need, you know, I don't feel comfortable working at a place where I'm not involved. And the boss then has to go to the team and say, like, now we have to officially mandate that we speak English, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, boo!" Like this guy just made everything like so weird, awkward, right? But yes, the yeah. o- and then yeah. all the blame just comes on uh, this person who never spoke the language. That wasn't a professional code of conduct, right? Yeah. So, so it becomes so tricky, and I mean, this to me, to me, this example is great because I can empathize, you know, being someone who doesn't speak Mandarin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and while that is something, oh, oh you don't. Y- you don't you know. Minimum. I can understand when you're bitching about me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can say that. <laughs> I on think this that's because of that's because
0: of the tone. <laughs> <of the> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it's never about the words, it's right. about the tone. <laughs> yeah, I know Willie.
2: <laughs> uh, but I also think anyone who goes through the army learns the bad minimum. That's necessary. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you know, this is at work where where I think there's some basis for. This is about professional decorum as well. Yeah, but it goes. It doesn't just stay at the workplace, right? So, you know, even in outside of 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 work, like there can be environments where you know people. When we're talking about casual racism, I'm doing air quotes. Sorry, podcast listeners.
1: uh, (laughs) When you do, when casual racism, we should have a sound just for that. Yeah,
0: air quotes. (laughs) I'll record that later. Then anytime (laughs) we do air quotes, I'll play. Air quotes. Yeah?
2: I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to record a whole bunch of things for you. Just I mean. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. <laughs> uh, No, it goes into almost anything where, you know, you walk into environments and it's uh, – and let's say it's not targeted at a specifically Chinese cultural thing, right? So I've been in environments where people will just start engaging in Mandarin, uh, for example, at a restaurant, for example uh, – and this is like a regular restaurant, not like a Chinese-Chinese restaurant, right? And then you're like, well – what do I do now, right? Like, what what is my, how how do I navigate the fact that I am not being engaged at at a fair level, right? And so now I have to walk around, and uh, all of this just becomes very frustrating sometimes. Because as someone who cannot speak the language, or someone who who doesn't know a lot about, you know, what it means to be Chinese, then sometimes it's an implicit block of access to right.
0: to, to right. things. Right. Mm, okay, mm. I mean, so uh, let's let's boil it down once again. Alright. How do we talk about this? Yeah. I mean, between friends, right? Sometimes.
1: How do you uh, talk to your colleagues as well? Yeah. Right? How do you I talk to? How to talk I to to I you people? I mean, mm. Rovig has also said that what what happens if 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 you tell your boss? Yeah. Then thereafter, the boss comes down really hard on the team. Yeah, man. And they go like, oh my, you know, this guy just it's like a total tattletale Yeah. And then that's not really convenient. Yeah. How exactly. How how exactly okay. should one person actually go about? Right. such an issue. I mean,
0: um, yeah, not to be pedantic about this. I'm just saying, from if I if I was guilty of that, and like my boss came and was like, hey guys, all right, so we gotta we gotta address this elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you guys speak Chinese <laughs> sometimes, you know, it's normal for y'all, but when it comes to workplace meetings, um, like let's all try to you know speak the common language. I think the first things first, and I've been in situations where people have reacted otherwise. I think it's to not be defensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to not be like, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, it's like that, second nature, you know? Yeah. That's that's some of my colleagues previously. I mean, not not the ones that you know, obviously. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because you all know my colleagues. you Yeah. Know. <laughs> but none of them have been I'm like sorry, that. Sorry, Aaron and Janet. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not asking Air you guys. Quotes. <laughs> Air quotes. Air um, quotes. Yeah, it's to not be defensive and just go like, oh, acknowledge it. I guess you got to listen. Yep. Step one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean I think the frankness or the ability to address something without investing too much feeling. Like to not either be hyper offended or to be hyper defensive, I think is a good step forward. It kind yep. of shows a sense of maturity.
2: Yep. So I, I'm hearing you say that you'll listen. Yeah, I'll definitely listen. Yeah.
0: Listening is important and um while you might feel uncomfortable about yep. it, yeah, and I mean people generally feel uncomfortable when they're hearing something which might be foreign to them sometimes. Right. And
2: yeah. I and I, I think the the main thing to realize about this is that no one's saying that, you know, what you're doing is, is something that you intentionally yeah. were doing to, to malign someone, exactly. right? Someone's just saying, look, you may not know this, but it's making me feel like I don't have a, a, a seat at this table. And so all I'm asking is just, you know, I'm, I'm flagging this up, maybe we tr- we try to be more inclusive about it. Yeah. And And the response should be, okay, like, That's my blind spot. Thanks for pointing it out.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just to further elaborate, like, it might not solve the problem immediately. Right. right? Because these are humans we're talking about. We're going to do some mistakes a couple of times. Right. So, at that level, I do agree that tolerance is important on on both ends. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you've got to agree that sometimes, like, okay, these people are going to take some time to adjust their what is second nature. And at the same time, every time you catch yourself doing something. At that casual racism level, you gotta be like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Next time, definitely not. And right. just keep working at it. Right. Because uh, I think one thing I learned from the Pretty Please Saga was we can do better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> As simple as it gets. Yeah. As simple as it gets.
2: So so let's talk about the Pretty Please Saga, right? Oh, so let's dang. Let's okay. actually talk about it. Great. Because great, great. I think what happened with that, uh, what what I what I found interesting about a lot of the responses that came out was a lot of people from. Uh, you know mostly the Indian but also a big chunk from the from the Malay community coming out and saying like you know it's not fair that we are represented this way right like across different forms of media that you know oh you can just yeah. so easily you know put on our skin color and 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 pretend to be as it but still us, mm-hmm. right and you know there are multiple examples of you know globally m- bad media representation of of of, of minority races and also darker races actually a lot of times uh, but but also you know accents also in terms of 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 you know just the way that people behave I, I know there was a big example in Singapore also where in one of Jack News films they were doing an audition and they asked one of the guys to put on a
0: to a be more Indian right, right I think to, use a,
2: to use an Indian accent accent yeah uh, and really just pointing at like I don't want to do it for the podcast, but you know, really, that kind of like uh, Indian accent, that even though it wasn't his accent, and so his response was, "Well, not every Indian speaks like this. What? How does it help the the show, right?" And there was that whole saga. So, I mean, Elliot, you've been in media.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, this is where I'm time to shine. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, this this e SG saga actually. I don't know if you guys know this, I was part of it as well. Oh yeah? yeah. You were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, okay. So, were you
2: one of Dennis Chu's? No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: my name is Tan. <laughs> Elliot Tan. Yeah. Not Dennis Chu and I I don't know the guy very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as there was this Twitter thread that came out as a response to this entire like pretty please saga. Okay. Yep. And inside, it tracked down uh, multiple instances in our media history for the past decade. Where we've been either explicitly racist or implicitly racist. and Unf- uh, Unfortunately, there was one uh, in 2012 or 2013 where I was explicitly racist. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you've been racist. I've I mean been racist. I, mean. and, uh, I know I've called myself out uh, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I, so much so I had to write a Facebook post about this. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys th- I've can seen this post. I've seen yeah. This post. So the yeah. post was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so this what happened was in 2013, I was doing this. Uh, YouTube video for Waal Banana called Types of People at Sentosa. Yep. And in one of them, one of, the, one of the scenes, it was about building sandcastles, so people build sandcastles yep. in, uh, on the beach. So I think I'm building a sandcastle, da-da-da, and I say, yay, I built a sandcastle! And then Janice pops up the site, she wears a construction supervisor hat and right. says, you call that a sandcastle? She pulls out a blueprint, Aaron and I come up from the site, and we're wearing like brown paint <laughs> all put over our body. You actually oh. put paint on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I brown, I Dennis Tute before Dennis Tute. Yeah. Dennis Tute, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure if
2: that's something to be proud of that. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% not proud of this. Right.
0: Uh, but so we did that. And the funny part about it, I, or rather the, the strange part about it, was that we got called out back then. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it didn't blow up the way it blew up today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Who called you out? Like I mean, like, netizens. Some okay. netizens uh, called us out and said, like, hey, you know, that's uh, that's not right. But uh, there was also a huge vocal majority on our channel, and I, I, I think the video has been taken down already, right. a huge vocal majority on our channel who also said, you know, there's no intent. There's right. no ill intent to make fun of, uh, like, minorities. In this mm-hmm. case, we were mimicking um, our Bangladeshi workers who right. are in Singapore and they build most of our infrastructure these days. Right. So, um, some people are like, you know, it was in, in jest, uh, it's comedy, da da da. But, um, bec- I think that's a very complicated pe- ground. Yeah. It's a very complicated ground. Right. On right. one hand, um, some of our defenders were saying, you know, the reality of Singapore is, yes, we do have Bangladeshi workers who build everything around us and...
1: And a very large majority of them.
0: A very large majority are Bangladeshi mm. and therefore... Uh, they were pointing out that, you know, they are the best builders that we have left. But also the people who were against the video were saying, well, it does doesn't give you the right to to round face. Right. So I I'm I mean, we were listening back then, but I think our social sensitivities weren't as sharp. And because of the lack of or rather how do I put this um the outrage meter wasn't near full capacity mm-hmm. that even for ourselves, that ability to self-examine what is right and wrong uh, becomes problematic. Yeah, yeah. So even though we did an apology in 2013, uh, I think I'm not been happy with that apology back then. Mm-hmm. Right now, with my 2019 lenses, I can look at it and go, nah, not good enough.
2: So I'm actually very curious about yeah. this, Elliot. What What do you think changed for you mm-hmm. between 2013 and now?
0: Um, I, I lost my virginity. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for telling the whole well, world about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I know, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mum, it was a joke, Mum. <laughs> no, between 2013 and 2019, I think the wokeness meter of the world just right, changed. Right. Our ability to have these conversations about race, especially in a Trumpian era, right. has grown quite a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. the way
0: we talk about hardline racism and casual racism and microaggressions, right. these things, I think, have become more and more as a hot topic issue. Now, whether or not... I, I And I, I do strongly believe that it was always wrong, but, but the ability to know what is wrong or the ability to to accept what is right now um, no longer acceptable is something we have to teach people. Just like myself. right? I had to learn these things. I had to reconfigure my perspective of what it meant to be a part of a multicultural, multiracial society. Yep. I mean, so yeah. Yeah. So, when when it comes to something like that video that we did, um, I remember these things very clearly. Like, we had a meeting and we're like, okay, we're going to do this video. Is there anything wrong with it? No one at the table thought there was anything wrong.
2: Right. But that was yeah. also because you didn't have any Indian exactly. Representation. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. There are no checks and balances to these yeah. things.
2: I mean, uh, Willie, you also do a lot of media. You are basically a media. You're media the media mogul <laughs> of Singapore. Oh wow, you. thank, you, thank you, you. You are
0: the <laughs> equivalent of yeah. uh, Harvey Weinstein, but I mean the okay. good, the good version, oh obviously. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we don't even. <laughs> another use topic Harvey for another <laughs> day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like the great guy.
2: Yeah. How? How? Because not only have you been in charge of some of these briefs, but you've also probably witnessed content. Since a much longer time, how has things changed, or like what has changed, maybe?
1: Hmm. Mm, good question. To be honest, I, I think in in my at least in my field of work, right, and in the kind of videos I make, we don't actually encounter much of such cases where mm-hmm. where um, where there's very definitive areas where you have to define race right. specifically. I I think it's because we do a lot of corporate communication that's internal. But I do realize, and what I saw was that at some period of time, a lot of um, multinational companies were actually uh, promoting a lot of diversity within their companies. And they made it a very, very strong uh, direction in their business to ensure that people accept different people from different races, different ethnicity, different kinds of backgrounds as well. And I think that, that that was... like in the last probably about 5 to 6 years mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. been promoting this thing within yep. their company and i suppose it's also in their belief that diversity actually creates good ideas mm-hmm. or great ideas mm-hmm. and therefore be able to progress the company raising productivity or raising a profit or bottom line i think there's something that i observe at least in the, uh, in the last 6 years from really large companies yep. yeah yep.
2: so so that, that actually helps a lot because to me Every time someone asks me why is it important that your race is represented accurately, or maybe if not accurately, at least fairly, right? Why? Why? What's wrong with someone making fun of an accent? You know, what's wrong with someone making a caricature? Yep. So one of the areas that I, thi- I still find a lot of difficulty in is you know Michelle Chong's uh, Letitia, okay, right? Because when you watch Letitia, you laugh, right? But actually, what are you laughing at? Are you laughing at the actual comic uh, narrative that is undergoing, or are you laughing at the fact that Leticia, as a Filipino caricature, are we laughing at that? Right, are we laughing at the
0: caricature? Yeah, I mean, it's it's problematic, for sure. I mean, comedy, I wouldn't say right now, as a comedian myself, comedy is a very tricky space.
1: Oh, you're, yeah. you're a comedian? <laughs>
0: yeah, you guys can see <laughs> My next show is on the 20th of <laughs> September. If you guys are interested, let me know. Slide into my DMs. Okay. I'll get you tickets.
2: <laughs> at 32 chances. <laughs> at
0: 32 chances. Uh, but yeah, comedy is a very, it's a very difficult line. Yeah. Because uh, there are low-hanging fruit jokes. Yeah. And those sometimes can be... Very racially charged, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, but there are differences. I would say if you watch uh, stuff like old school Russell Peters mm-hmm. and compare it to like comment like modern day Dave Chappelle. Yep. They both deal with race. Yep. Right. Okay. Right. But they both deal in race in very different ways. Right. One is very intellectualized, yep. and the other is uh Russell Peters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just crude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Caricatures. Here. It's very caricature. Yes. You are laughing at the accent and the. You're laughing at the, I suppose, the portrayal of the character, right? As opposed to the, when you think of, of race as an idea, yep, a very different way. Of, um, the way Dave Chappelle talks about it, it's as though that it's about the cultural context of where he's born in, yep. of the cultural context of what it means to be a black person in modern day America. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the way we, we we intellectualize or talk about it. So Leti- when you, uh, I'm just gonna go back to Letitia real quick, right? right to, to tie this up. Letitia is interesting only because we have a lot of Filipino maids in Singapore. Yes, mm-hmm. um, She is playing a, a role for a satirical news show. Yep. Yeah? And most of the things that she deals with tends to be with the spoiled nature of Singaporeans.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So w- there is a fine line drawn somewhere, yep. and I'm sure we could poke at how problematic some of these things can be. But I think the intention... Uh, and this is just a personal opinion. Like the intention it's drawing with a character like Letitia is we're laughing at Singaporeans, yeah. at the way Singaporeans treat Filipino mates right. in Singapore, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than she, her making fun of like Filipino mates just for the sake of making fun of Filipino mates. Right. 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 Yeah. But the, the the trouble is that the accent is something that she does. Draw back to very closely, and yeah. I think that that is tricky ground. A lot of a lot of space for debate, but I I think in the sake of our time for today, we might. Yeah, I mean,
2: just on that, Michelle yeah. Chong is, as a as an artist and as a as a comedian, she has been very creative and she's done a lot of very innovative stuff for Singapore media. So I think you know when you think about a lot of her content, there is some due respect, and and I and I hear what you're saying about how she's using Letitia almost as a. As a, as a pointer to Singaporeans themselves, uh, but I think it's see this is exactly where such conversations are important because there are two things that happen with a caricature. The first is that that is all that people know about that race or mm. culture, right. right? So if someone has never actually engaged a Filipino outside of uh, Letitia, yeah, then that's what they're gonna think. Filipino sure. is mostly about, and the second, uh, which is not so much about racism, but I think it's it's valid, um, especially in today's oh. time, is about seeing your own race on screen, right? There is something about you know internalizing certain prejudices or internalizing certain things when you see your race being caricatured and discriminated yeah. on screen, and then you thinking to yourself. Well, what does that say about my place in society? Right, right. That I don't have um, an actual role. Okay, uh, so medium. I'm gonna
0: play. I'm gonna play devil's advocate just for a quick bit. Sure. Okay. Uh, this is this is more of just a, a challenge to sentiment because, um, so something, th- I believe, if y- we educated people at a general level, that you know you just shouldn't see a character, or you just shouldn't see a character that's being played, right. and then assume that the entire race is like that. Yep you know like the the diversity of your experiences will help you know like you you and i know I and mean, i'm sure willie knows mm-hmm. that not all filipinos are like Letitia. i mean yeah. that's just like common knowledge
2: right so you would hope so
0: you would hope so you would right. hope so exactly i think that's the that's the that's the key component um if all your experiences of filipinos were simply Letitia, then you would be r- you'd be dead wrong right yeah but i i mean i know that Letitia is a fictional character She's yeah. based on certain conceptions of what a maid is in reaction to the to the Singaporean lived experience. Right, but I mean, I would also be a I mean, I wouldn't be very smart lah if I were to assume that all Filipinos are like that, right?
2: See, y- mm-hmm. you're giving a lot mm-hmm. of credit to to a lot of people. Right? Yeah, because because at the end of the day, a lot of people live in very Close circles. And yes, for and actually, sure. that that's going to be a story I wanted to share mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about people who've lived in close circles, uh, and and this is a a painful example because I think when people ask me if there's racism in Singapore, it is very obvious that the racism or the race based engagements that I've gone through is nowhere near the level of of pain that you know a black person who you know, maybe his grandfather went through slavery, you know, and and now they are facing a very different environment in the US. It's not gonna be that level, right? And so a lot of people like to do the compare and contrast. But I think uh, race-based engagement in Singapore still happen at a a level where it can be a lot and overwhelming. And that's because, you know, for something that is, you know, maybe race-based for a Chinese person, that becomes normalized as norms the majority norms and then it just becomes norms for everyone. But then when it's something that an Indian person or a Malay person uh, encounters, then that that a lot of that burden is concentrated on that race. So I'll give an example, right? Um, a lot of people who live in Singapore probably know a lot of these examples. For example, when you turn off the lights and people joke around and say, you know, oh, Rovik uh, where did you go, right? Mm-hmm. You disappeared, right? When it happens once, I think I remember when I was in primary school and that happened, I laughed. But when it happens like every month and every time the lights turn off, it gets very annoying because very likely I'm the only Indian person in that room mm. because of, of of just pure statistics. And then almost every time that happens, I'm asking myself, is this just you know, am I always just gonna be that butt of the joke? Because the race, the jokes that happen to everyone else, it's not really gonna be race based because no one actually makes fun of another Chinese person. It's like, haha, you Chinese, right? But when it's, when it's to do with someone from a minority race, then it becomes, th- the race becomes very salient. Mm. Or it becomes very obvious. Uh, and, and I think over time, I've, I've, I've found ways to navigate it, found ways to use race to my advantage. And I thought, you know, maybe when I become an adult, maybe when I become the man that I am now, a 26 year old, that these things won't become that much of an issue. But sadly, it still has been, right? And, and this happened last uh, December, when I was having drinks with a bunch of friends and I was talking to a friend, right? Uh, she and I were just having a, a great chat uh, over drinks and her phone, uh, and she's, she's actually telling me, you know, tomorrow I'm gonna be the bridesmaid for a wedding. You know, I, a phone call, uh, you know, my, my the, the bride that I'm supposed to be helping out with, she, she's getting very nervous. And as she's saying that, actually quite coincidentally, the bride starts calling on FaceTime, right? Obviously she needs some quick help. So my friend picks up the phone and, you know, the friend, the bride basically sees her friend and me, right, in frame. And I very casually say, hey, how's it going? Uh, And then I say, I'll give you guys a space. I go out, right? I come back after she's finished the call. I'm talking to her. And then all of a sudden, her phone lights up. And, you know, this kind of thing, I'm I'm not trying to be... Uh, intrusive, but you know, you quickly turn to see what what happened. You see the message, uh, and basically, the message said, you know, you, uh, I didn't know you hang out with Indian people or something along those lines, right? Like oh, you, Jeez. why are you have an Indian? Jeez, well that mm.
0: that took a dark turn very fast, mm. right? Oh um, man, what the heck?
2: And my friend felt horrible, right, because right. she's obviously been here with me, talking to me. She. In my mind, I don't think she's racist, right? But now all of a sudden she has to defend this friend that she's going to be a bridesmaid for, right? Mm-hmm. And her, her justification is, you know, look, the two of us went through uh, a Chinese-only school. We've never met an Indian person, right? We don't have Indian friends uh, right. until we, we, we went into university, mm-hmm. right? And that, that struck me because she basically admitted that for almost 12 years of her life, she just never had an Indian friend. right? And very likely never had a Malay friend, right? Right? Uh, And for someone to go through their whole life not knowing what another race, what someone from another race could be like, and to only refer to media, it's a very dangerous proposition in Singapore.
0: So Willie, do you think this can be solved with, uh, I don't know, education? Or what do you think is the the solution to get people out of these closed communities? You think like, uh, I don't know, policy? In, in Singapore, you know, like the whole idea that you need racial quotas and like in certain states, do you think that's one way that we solve?
1: Oh, most definitely. I mean, um, we are talking about exposure, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if for example, as Robic said, um, if an individual goes to school and has never been exposed, for example, to somebody of a different race, mm-hmm. I think that uh, that is. Uh, there's also because it was, it's statistical as well yeah. But there's also a, a certain element in which the, the system does not actually encourage That kind of interaction as well And, mm-hmm. I, can, and I can get behind the fact that Policies such as, for example uh, Racial quotas in, for example, our housing uh, Subsidized housing, like HDBs, right mm. Needs to happen so that We don't build um, specific kind of enclaves yep. That will actually promote certain kinds of sure, um, sure. uh, that r- was Racial lines as well yep. Yeah, but of course, in in the areas of school, uh, of course, there are some schools like, I think in this case, the SAP schools right Yeah, we're going to talk about SAP in a bit, for sure. Um, It Mm -hmm. it would be quite tricky because they are predominantly uh, uh, Chinese-focused. So I think... They are all are only Chinese. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll we we'll uh, go not into not this not hot part of a of an issue in a very <laughs> not quickly.
1: Notwithstanding the fact that of course someone of another race can enter these schools, but you got to learn Chinese. Yeah. You got to yeah. Chinese. Of course. Of course. That 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 deals a problem. But I suppose there's also other issues that may come about, especially when it comes to policy as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, in racial quotas in uh, subsidized housing, that kind of makes sense. But if, for example, there were racial quotas in schools, or I would say mainstream schools then I think that uh, there may also be certain policies that may be more challenging, for example, to um, people who are in the minority. Mm-hmm. For example, if your policies, um, yeah, yeah, your policies, for example, is, um, say, uh, if you're Indian, right, and we need to make sure that there's enough Indians in this school, I'm sorry, but your first choice to go to this school cannot happen because because of a racial yeah because we need to make sure that the other school has enough Indians yeah. or enough Malays or, right, or any right. specific race. Actually, races. that's
0: that's a really good point because I mean Singapore is founded on many different principles, right? We have mm-hmm. meritocracy as one of them. So sometimes you know the best I mean the best school uh, academically speaking, uh, you might just want the person who's just the most qualified. Exactly. and it shouldn't be drawn on racial lines already I mean
1: in, yeah. in subsidised housing right uh, making sure that certain uh, certain levels and certain number of uh, houses are dedicated to different kinds of races mm. may be quite challenging for certain individuals I don't want to stay here I want to stay somewhere else yeah. why can't uh, I stay next to this then suddenly it's
0: just like the racial quota dictates yeah, the racial quota so yeah. I
1: suppose that actually limits some of these supposed mm. liberties as well it is
0: a very tricky, yeah. tricky state. Right, but yet
1: a necessary position in order to increase the amount of exposure, exposure for population. It's my turn to play devil's advocate.
0: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. uh, I actually don't think quotas are enough. Yeah. So uh, and and uh, and actually, my my ideal life, my ideal political reality is when uh, the government doesn't need to intervene, right? And actually, beyond quotas, I don't think the solution is. More government intervention or more institutional intervention to to create a forced engagement, but I think the main thing with quotas, uh, you know, either GRC quotas or housing quotas or elected presidencies, um, the main thing they do is they artificialize the sense of representation mm-hmm. or the sense of exposure, because you know, even though my block. Is is a diverse block, and I have you know I've I've seen my Chinese neighbors, I've seen my Malay neighbors. I don't think I go through my life knowing more about what it means to be a Malay or what it means to be a Chinese. Right, right, right. So you're saying just because it's
0: there doesn't mean the interaction really increases or or matters. You know, the experience might not
2: exactly. Uh, And so, in in the ideal world to me civic engagement is a lot more important. We mm. as a community, we as people, how do we actually make it a priority for us to engage and to find people outside. Sure, sure. And, I, and I think a big part of that is you know, finding initiative uh, and making it a cultural habit from very early on for us to, to want to know about, uh, about what it means to, to know other people. Uh, but I also think in, in, in other ways it's about tearing some of these institutional barriers down right so i'm i'm personally not a fan of of uh certain things but it, that that we've we've come to accept as norms yeah. uh yeah. But, but you know those are, those are things that we can talk about as yeah,
0: well yeah at at a macro level i think we all can agree it's very tricky yeah. it is yeah it's very tricky for us to even have i mean Three of us are definitely not gonna come up with a policy solution to that. Yeah. Uh, I mean I know that much. Wait, my IQ prepared. is my IQ is about my shoe size right. in US numbers. Those no, so like are huge I shoes. I've prepared, prepared a whole policy dossier here okay, for you that. to discuss. I, <laughs> I don't understand anything dude. Right. I, I just know if someone tells me like, hey, I feel I feel this, I feel that I mean at a personal level I can I can agree with a lot of things. Um, so anyway I wanted to bring our attention we kind of mentioned this already uh, but the one thing which we probably could agree upon is why does this thing still exist SAP schools right SAP schools (laughs) I was from a SAP school I, I did well what does
2: SAP stand for Special assistance plan. Sorry. I put me in cra- the spot. there. <laughs> I was
0: like, now nah, I'm, nah, I'm really stupid. <laughs> I'm I
1: sorry. can't believe I went there and
0: I still didn't know.
1: Right. Hey, that's kind of racist, isn't it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Doing a Bali girl accent. Yeah, <laughs> man. That's
0: me. Uh, but I really, d- I really had no idea what I was. All I knew growing up, I was in Maristala for about 10 years, right. um, was that I had one Indian friend mm-hmm. in my entire school. And he had to learn Chinese. There was no ifs and or buts about it. He had to learn Chinese. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never questioned it. Not until much, much later in my life. Yeah. Mm. When I was 17 and, and I was hanging out with uh with my friend. Uh, his name is Arun. He's a great guy. Um, shout out to Arun. Shout out to Arun in Glasgow. Uh, we were hanging out. And then, you know, we spoke Chinese sometimes as we do. Right. And then would joined in the conversation, and one of our non mutual friends, uh, a friend from outside this circle, we were like, Damn, Aaron speaks Chinese? And I was like, Yeah, he speaks Chinese. What's the big deal? Yeah. And it's like, Man, he's a special one. <laughs> and then when he, when he said he's a special one, I was like, No, no, no. He's just a normal dude, man. Like, i do known this guy my whole life. He's a normal dude. But it, it, it makes you feel something different that we kind of coerce. And, and they asked him, Aaron, uh, do you speak Tamil? Then he says, Nah, man, I don't. I I never grew up learning Tamil at all. Right. And then it hit me like, man, uh, we can't—not that we coerce this man into doing this—but there was a system in place that, you know, just he didn't have a choice. Yeah. I realized he never had a choice, and in in doing this, just because he wanted to go to a seemingly good school at Maristella High.
2: Right. So yeah. so it's it's, it's a r- great it's Probably worth talking a bit very quickly about the history of. Special assistance. Sure, class, sure. Right? Please go ahead. So uh, this this program started in 1979, and actually, the thing about the special assistance plan is that theoretically, it is uh, for all languages or all, all, all cultures, meaning that you know if you are want to create a, a school under the special assistance plan for the I- Indian culture and language, mm-hmm. theoretically, this plan will support that. Right? It just so happened that. M- all of the schools uh, under this are, are the Chinese schools. And that uh, is because is of a couple of reasons. The first is because of the people that backed a lot of these schools who were Chinese philanthropists. Right. Right, And their intent was to create an environment where Chinese v- values and Chinese culture was predominantly the focus uh, and and because they wanted to invest into, into their community. Right. Right. Um, it's not to say that there was a lack of effort on the other community's part, but you know, purely because of of, of circumstance and purely because of the time in which a lot of this was happening, the special assistance plan was very uh, attractive mm. for the Chinese community. And mm. I I actually personally in 1979, I don't think it was a bad idea, right? Uh, and and I think you know the, the the key thing about this is that it's its normally starts at the secondary school level. The only requirement is that you you take that one language so for and
0: this is so so you're saying you're telling me that it's more about preserving a certain of kind of cultural right. value right back mm. in the back in the old school seventies yep you know they had this scheme they say like hey, we really want more like Chinese the 80s, yeah the eighties right we want like Chinese culture to be preserved in a certain way, certain right. places to champion. Um, I can tell you, for like, Maristella, our key motto was, which kind of like, translates into, like, our, diligence, being like, hardworking, being respectful, being courageous. Right? Um, right. So these were things that, they kind of like, ingrained into us that, yep. all our, all the uh, the big brothers, who once were part of this school, Right. you know, we all championed those causes. But so you're telling me that, that
2: was part yeah, of Yeah, and it was to the point, where back in the day, All classes were taught in Mandarin. Yeah. So, so it means that if you join this school, you are going to leave graduating hardcore Chinese speaking. Well, they failed on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this was back in the day, right? And this is a point of origin, but uh, as as time went on and as bilingualism became important, Mm -hmm. uh, then... And I guess also there was a recognition that English was... A the examination language became yeah. English
0: eventually, right? Okay. So yeah. so
2: English became a thing. But what happened was that, you know, a couple of things happened, right? The first is that these schools are good schools because of the resourcing that came from the foundations, from the philanthropists, right. compared
0: to a lot of public schools. So this was privately funded in yes, some sense. Yes, for,
2: for a lot of them, yeah. right? Uh, not all of them, but for a lot of them. Right. Uh, and, and so as a result... These resources were concentrated, gotcha. right? And and the people who graduated with these resources, who had you know you know a better chance uh, at, at doing well, not just in school but potentially in their career, they went their whole lives basically not ever mm-hmm. engaging someone from another race, right? Right? Uh, and to them, their reality was, all I know is Chinese culture, all I know is Chinese values, and I have no opposition to any of that, but the question mark. That I think all of us have been asking is, well, then what happens next, right? Right. Do
0: do we need? <laughs> I don't know. Like, do we need special funding for for these schools anymore? Is is a big is a big question for me. Right. Right. Well like. Yeah. If we if we truly if now we truly believe in the meritocratic system that is you know the Singapore educational system, mm-hmm. do we do we give extra money? Because now it's no longer private. I mean, SAP is not like privately funded, right? Mm-hmm. Th- these are schools that are getting. Extra resources just because they're SAP.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and so in nineteen seventy nine, when MOE des- designated the schools, they were given additional teaching resources so that you know they get a lower student to teacher ratio, they get more assistance, and it was targeted at at, at top scoring uh, students yeah. as well.
0: So th- this this could be that this could come down. I don't know. Really, maybe you want to chime in on like whether you think this is a systemic kind of issue. Like, do you think it produces a systemic issue?
1: I think I think definitely, I mean, in its own um, origin or the origin of its premise is to preserve a culture, right? Yeah. And I think this is really a very difficult subject to yeah, yeah, yeah. to tackle. No doubt, I mean, no on doubt. one hand, definitely an individual who goes through such uh, SAP school is not going to be interacting necessarily with another person, front, just like yourself. Yeah, just like with myself, with dude. I mean, Absolutely. you have one friend, right? Well, I had one friend until <laughs> I was like <laughs> 17. Right. <laughs> And and of course, this this definitely um, whether the person likes it or not um, will not be exposed to somebody else of a different race. Mm -hmm. And I think that already creates a problem. But then on the other hand, I mean, you have concerned parents who want to make sure that certain values are being uh, imparted for their children, right? That's why they send them or highly recommend that their children actually send them for such schools, right? Mm -hmm. So I suppose these things might be competing values. In society, sometimes, yeah. right? Definitely, the uh, specific kind of work ethics or yeah. perspectives in, for example, like in certain Chinese schools, like Confucianism or yeah, um yeah, yeah. Or, or things like that. Versus, so for example, the like uh, the the belief that diversity is a very an acceptance for diversity is a very important mm-hmm. thing. So, I, and I think that maybe it might be a case of changing the SAP schools to be more diverse. That could mm. be one perspective,
2: but th- then so again, th- they have done that. You know, mm-hmm. they they've actually um, because there was parliamentary questions raised, right? Uh, oh. And and SAP school started creating, you know, during Racial Harmony Day, what happens, right? <laughs> that's that's a big question. <laughs> like um, all the Chinese people <laughs> in the school, or <laughs> <Right. laughs> <All laughs> like uh, okay, where's the racial harmony, right? Uh, so they actually try to bring, uh, they try to do cross school events. They try to do, you know. Let's spend a day thinking and and talking about another race, but the reality is that you know social norms don't happen like that.
0: It might not have. It (laughs) might not be enough, is what you're saying, right? Yeah,
2: and and actually, uh, Minister of Education Kang, had to deal with this question quite recently, I think maybe a year or two years ago, and he he continued to stand by them uh, even despite all the criticism, because as you mentioned. Uh, the, v- the importance of Chinese values to this community okay. was so strong. Right, right. But here's my question, right, and I, and I and it's not a criticism as much as, I, it's a genuine curiosity, right, um, are we okay with the downstream effects of that?
0: Right? i tell you one thing I'm not okay with, only it's just that extra funding component. Because I believe <laughs> in meritocracy, right? Like, I strongly believe in it. And no school should have more money than another, just from like the government itself.
2: Yeah, and and a school that actually quite honestly by definition discriminates.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, at the school, once you take uh, Chinese as a language, yeah. if you can accept that premise, then great lah. I mean, like you want to go to school that teaches you Chinese, that's, to me that's fair. Right. But you don't get extra money for doing that, then it kind of makes it so that you are disadvantaged by not going to that school or doing that thing. Yeah. I, I think that's the problem. The problem is... By not being a part of that culture or not subscribing to it, you are literally financially and educationally disadvantaged. Yep. That yep. has that, that to me has no place in a meritocratic world.
2: Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There is a wider conversation around, you know, unequal funding for schools, right? Because you have schools like Raffles that has a lot of donor fund funding as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I think when you think about, you know, race-based admissions. Or rather language based admissions but it's so implicitly tied that you can't it's a bit yeah, naive to say like no it's just language, right? Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no I, I mean like culturally as well because yeah. you know, the people who are all there they have this old boys thing, right? I know in Maristella there's this old boys thing, my father went to Maristella, my grandfather went to Maristella, like they your whole family had to go like to Maristella. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, I mean like your whole family <laughs> had to go to Maristella, you know. Right. And if you didn't go, you're like, Wow, you're really disrespecting the, the forefathers, you know? Yeah. So, I don't I, know.
1: I came from a totally different school background, right? And right. I'm just trying to double check that my school is definitely not an SAP school. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. It's definitely okay, not. Okay, well. I mean, at least in the context of whatever this article is writing. Right, right, right. <laughs> in okay. fact, I think um, in my school, it's, uh, I think uh, the different races are actually celebrated. In fact, some, some of the top performing people in specific, specific areas actually happen to be uh, different uh, races of uh, minority. Mm-hmm. Like I remember um, uh, back in when we had, uh, for example, rugby games, right? the best player was this Indian chap. He could take on five guys on his legs hey and cross the line. If you tell us yeah. about
0: B, right? everyone <laughs> will know what school you're from. Really, like, there's, no <laughs> there's no hiding it already. Yeah. So
1: um, I actually see the merit of uh, having diversity in the school. It yeah. really, really helps to... Uh, normalize the conversation. Yeah, it really helps yeah. to say that you, you are, you're so used to talking to somebody of different race and it doesn't, re- doesn't really impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I see, well, as much as certain cultures in an SAP school may be uh, Chinese values, for example, mm. uh, may be permeated or uh, an individual may be inculcated, but he may be missing another facet of his life, which is learning how to, for example, uh, see diversity as something that's normal see su- diversity as something that's of of strength that, that's right. very common as well right, and right, I think right. definitely that there is a problem so with regards to exposure yeah mm. uh,
0: well I, I, I don't know if this is a nuanced way of saying it but I believe in this I'm more likely to subscribe to an identity of a Singaporean which is more like di- multiculturally diverse religiously more diverse as I am like a Chinese guy yep. you know so like yeah I know what Chinese values are I mean I grew up in a traditional Chinese family but I also like to think that I'm willi- I'm learning from everyone around me yeah. as a Singaporean we're not mm. one. We're not maybe like five different races.
1: Maybe maybe I could just um, point out something. I, I that's my own opinion yeah, is that yeah, for sure. now that we talked about the identity of a Singaporean, right? Mm. What what exactly is a Singaporean identity that's exclusive from somebody else or another country, for example? Mm, mm, mm. And maybe we can even address, for example, what exactly is racism in Singapore as well? Yeah. Like for example, if we have new, for example, other races from different parts of. Southeast Asia yes, different for or different sure. well so beyond the CMIO yeah, yeah beyond the CMIO coming and integrating within Singapore for example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that is that a dilution of our Singapore heritage and culture yeah. or is this a conversation of expanding our identity that's interesting
2: yeah. we, we've, we've actually engaged this topic mm. a couple of times on this podcast that's yes. yeah, right interesting
0: here. Yeah, you know yesterday even uh, I mean we're recording this a day after the National Day Rally speech yeah and even yesterday, I think PM Lee kind of talked a little bit about how every generation, you know, like we are made out of so many different identities. Yeah. In different de- generations of people who are moving to Singapore for their hopes and aspirations and realizing their own dreams. And uh, they've all sort of like left their mark mm-hmm. over here. It's a, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but it seems like an expansive idea of what it means to be Singaporean. Yeah. Not uh, this very narrow-minded way of thinking about it. It's a race. huge conversation, but it's I think huge, yeah. I think
2: the principles yeah. of, of engagement need to be consistent, right? And I, I think they can be consistent. And that is, how do we engage with people from other races? How do we talk about yeah. race-based uh, topics and racism, right? I, I feel like what I've heard again and again throughout these conversations would also... You know, in general, when you when you see what goes wrong with with some of these interactions online, it's a lot of people don't listen, right? So you start with listen, actually taking the time to pause and say, Mm all right, like let me hear what you have to say, Mm -hmm. let me acknowledge that it is, you know, your reality, uh, and then to ask questions, right? Like, you know, what what happened? Why do you feel this way? uh, What did I do that? You know, what trigger the this. Yeah, exam- right.
0: The examination, right? Yeah, right. Of itself, yeah. I,
2: and it, it's not to, I think the goal isn't to find blame. Mm-hmm. I think the goal mm-hmm. is to understand. Yep. Uh, and, and, and then to finally, you know, try to reconcile or, or find some kind of, of remediation, right? And sometimes that could mean saying sorry, like either sorry that I didn't know that this would cause this, and like I'm sorry that that happened. Uh, or, you know, if you actually did something wrong uh, with intent to do something wrong, then <laughs> hopefully you have the courage to to, to walk it back and to, and to try to be better about it, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with a lot of these things, it takes humility. It takes an appreciation that the whole is better than the parts, mm-hmm. right? To say that, that yeah. it's not just about being defensive, but it's about, you know, I recognize that, this is something that we're norming, right? I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. think one thing that we all talked about a lot was context and intent, right? A lot of times, uh, a very quick way to analyze actually what went wrong is to say, okay, what was the context of what was said, right? Uh, and, and the second thing is, what was the intent? Was the intent to hurt or was the intent, actually, no, I want to do something else and unfortunately you this was as collateral as damage, as right? As yeah, yeah. And so in that case, how do I, how do I acknowledge the hurt mm-hmm. but still work forward?
0: Some some yeah I mean I think it does require some mature uh, conversation you know yeah. some some level of civility, open-mindedness like a bit of honest conversation I think it's yeah. it's not always it's easy to say but yeah. uh, in pr- in the practicals of it sometimes you get lost in emotion yeah, right. and, and stuff. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was really that was a very heavy episode. Thanks, thank you guys <laughs> for sticking around. All right, and uh, talking to us about this. Uh, leave your questions if you guys have any comments, please drop us in the comment section below. We haven't been right, reading much of uh yeah, we haven't been reading much of the live chat today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but we're so
2: into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you found this useful and if you found this way of exploring racism useful, let me ask that you share this. Right? In, in a way that actually starts the conversation and gets people to talk about how we talk about racism in our own communities. Because right. I don't think it happens enough. I don't think at the workplace, I don't think in our communities, in our families.
0: Not on YouTube.
2: Yeah. That we that we even know what it means to talk about racism. Heck yeah. It's not it's not as scary. It's not as scary as it should be. Right? Uh, sorry, it's not as scary as it is. Uh, because at the end of the day, people do want to lean in and, and deal with it and, and actually live their life not caring about racism,
0: right? Yeah, like, yeah. actually dealing with We're not with that unapathetic as yeah. as people, like, yeah, carve yeah. it out to be sometimes. Mm, it's true. Alright, mm. cool. So, on that note, next week's ep- uh, the following week's episode is going to be a bit more chill. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> about
2: art and uh, being
1: artsy. Oh Arch- oh, cool. hey, hey, this hey is where art. I can
0: bring in my... You guys should tune in for the live show because I will do a drawing on air oh
1: really oh Oh, yeah. yeah 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 live drawing you can draw
0: Hey man, you haven't <laughs> seen my I've learned so much a things about you I a hope comedian. It's not a new drawing. <laughs> it's gonna be a new drawing. Like uh you guys watch Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> baby like one of your French girls? That one? I'm gonna do that. that yeah, French hey, accent? That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> what the sh- <laughs> <laughs> was the show? Oh great. I'm i ju- I'm just in all sorts of hot soup after this episode. But yeah, I'm gonna do the baby like one of your French girls thing. Uh one of you guys will have to be my model and
2: Right. And Willy Won, right,
0: right? One of okay. you guys, one of you guys. I'll give you guys a pull network. I'll volunteer my hamster. Okay. Nice. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in uh we're gonna sign off here, so that's me, Elliot Rovik and Willie all right, we'll and that's all bye. for tonight. Good yeah. night
1: Good night, everyone.